I turned it down the first time. They came back a second time. They turned it down. The third time, true story, I was called up to a conference room in Miami and the president of the NBC Universal Stations Group was in the conference room. And he said, I'm not asking you to take the job in Birmingham. I'm telling you. And I said, "Okay, when do I start? (laughs) Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month and welcome to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, share your value and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I am super excited today because I have a fabulous guest joining us. Her name is Yvette Miley and she is the Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at NBCU. News Group. But before we get Yvette on the line, I wanted to talk a little bit about your brand. Now, you know, we have always been talking about that core set of brand attributes that you must have. You want to have four to eight core words that serve as your brand attributes. These are the words that not only you want to project, But ideally, in a perfect world, these are the words that people are using to describe you. They talk about you and they use these words. These are your four to eight core words. Now, once you have those words, you know they must be authentic to you. So this isn't about being aspirational and trying to be Sheryl Sandberg or trying to be Oprah. They got to be words that are authentic to you. But then you have to ask yourself that question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Because I know that we come up with these great words, but so many times I think they are just commodity coffee words. What do I mean by that? I have done several sessions over the past couple of weeks, and every time I ask that and I have people put it up in a word cloud, reliable, dependable, team player, they all pop up. And you know what? If I'm talking to a room of 700 people and the majority of people are using those three words, then I am telling you those words are just coffee. Because at work in your career, who isn't a team player? Who isn't going to say they're dependable? Who isn't going to say they're reliable? But even think of words that you come up with that may be very authentic to you may still need to be supersized. I even think for myself, you know, Over the years, people have said, oh, Jason, you're so fun and entertaining. And Jason, you're a great presenter. And so I thought those were great brand attributes for me until I looked out and showed them to some of my friends. And my friends were like, oh, yeah, well, I'm really fun and entertaining, too. Or, of course, I know a lot of people that do speaking and training. And they would say, like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a good presenter, too. And I thought, 
Well, that's just coffee language. I've got to supersize those words. So I had to ask around and say, why, why do you think I'm a great presenter? You know, why do you think I'm fun and entertaining? And people would come back to me and they'd say, oh, Jason, you know, those stories that you tell when you told that story about yourself early in your career, that really impacted me. Or when you told that story of working with that brand and how they transformed, it really helped me understand. And, and suddenly I realized you know what? I'm not just a good presenter. My supersized word is really being a storyteller, right? That's what I do. I'm a storyteller. And then I would ask people about being fun and entertaining. And they said, oh yeah, you're fun and entertaining. You've got great jokes. You're so dynamic. You're good on stage. And then I would probe a little bit more and people would really say, wow, Jason, like no one can be like you. No one can grab that microphone and get 3000 people in a ballroom up on their feet and paying attention and, and herding cats. You know what? It's like you can be a ringmaster at a three ring circus. You make everything a big show in production, even if it's not something that's that exciting. And it hit me there. You know what it is? People really respond to the fact that I'm a showman not just that I'm fun and entertaining. So I still use fun and entertaining, but I say I'm a showman that's fun, entertaining, and dynamic because I'm using those supersized words. So you have got to supersize your words so that you are not a commodity like coffee. You are super premium like Starbucks. Well, I am super excited for today's guest. It is Yvette Miley, who I have known for years back from my days at NBC Universal. Now, Yvette is an award-winning journalist who currently serves as the Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the NBCU News Group. She has amazing responsibility over recruiting, training, employee engagement, and strategic partnerships, as well as editorial initiatives across all four of NBC Universal's news networks. She has been with the company for 27 years. And prior to joining MSNBC and NBC News, Yvette worked as the vice president and news director at NBC's own station in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, as well as the vice president and news director of their own previous TV station in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, she is an award-winning journalist. She has received three Emmy Awards, including an Emmy for the MSNBC and NBC News coverage of the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage back in 2016, and she's received 10 Edward R. Murrow Awards. In addition, she's been named a Pride Star by Ad Week and the National Association of Black Journalists Chuck Stone Lifetime Achievement Award back in 2017. I'll be back in just a few moments with Yvette Miley. Happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month, everyone. It is June, and I still remember marching in my first Pride Parade with the University of Southern California all the way back in 1992. But you know, even though most of our Pride celebrations in person have been canceled, it is still a great time to do a little bit of self-reflection and personal development. Now, the Lead With Your Brand podcast has partnered with the Out and Equal Workplace Advocates, an incredible organization that advocates for workplace equality. And each week in June, we'll be featuring an out leader with an 
amazing career story and personal brand journey to share. In addition, I'll be hosting two special roundtable episodes of Lead With Your Brand, where we will explore issues around the trans experience and the intersectionality of race and ethnicity and being LGBTQ plus in the workplace. Now, Out and Equal will be providing discussion guides for each of our shows, so we encourage you to use the podcast as a virtual book club with your employee resource group or a group of friends. Listen to the episodes and then schedule your own group discussion with the discussion guide as part of your pride programming and celebration. Make sure you check out leadwithyourbrand.com backslash pride for more information and to hear some of our favorite shows from season one and two that feature LGBTQ plus leaders, including the fantastic CEO of Out and Equal, Aaron Uridas. Happy Pride, everyone. And we're back. I am thrilled to have our guest, Yvette Miley, who is the Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at NBC Universal News Group. Yvette, how are you doing today? Any day with you is a great day, so thank you for having me. Of course, Yvette, I'm so excited to have you because you just have this amazing career in broadcast journalism. And to kick off, I just have to ask you, when you meet someone who doesn't know you and doesn't know what you do, how do you explain who you are and what you do? (laughs) You know, that's a great question. I don't really... I don't lead with my business card. I always kind of talk a little bit about what I like and what I love. And I just sort of say that, hey, I, I, I work with great people in the city of New York and I'm in the media and information industry. That's, that's kind of how I, how I play it. How you kick it off. And you said that you tell people what you like and what you love. So what do you like and what do you love, Yvette? I like interacting and networking with people. And I love unearthing something about them in the conversation and sharing that. And I, I'm always that kind of curious person. And I guess I was always that way as a child. So I love hearing the story of the person I'm engaging with. Wow. And so you really have spent over 30 years in the business of engaging with people and getting them to tell their stories. So when you look back over your career, what have been some of the greatest career breakthrough moments for you where you really felt you got to the next level? I think I think one one of the moments that I would point to was the time I took a leadership role as the leader of the newsroom as a vice president in Birmingham. It was my first, it wasn't my first time being a manager, but it was my first time being 24 hours responsible for not only the product, but also the people. Yeah. And I think that was a breakthrough moment for me to sort of, I needed that opportunity to prove not to others, but to prove to myself that I could do it. That was a breakthrough moment. And so what, what led up to that moment? How, how did you get to that role? I know you said it wasn't your first leadership role, but this was the first big leadership role. You know, it's interesting, Jason. I had an opportunity at that point when this, when this job came open, I was the assistant news director at WTVJ in Miami. 
Mm. And I am from Florida. So I was thrilled to sort of have this opportunity to still be in South Florida. I was a quote unquote number two in the newsroom. And I did not want the headaches of the number one. (laughs) So, (laughs) so when they, so when they came to me, true story, they came to me, they offered me an opportunity to be the vice president and news director in Birmingham. I turned it down the first time. They came back a second time. They turned it down. The third time, true story, I was called up to a the conference room in Miami. And I'm like, what does the general manager want? I'm right at news time. Why is he calling me? So I go upstairs. <laughs> I go upstairs. He's like, come upstairs. So I go upstairs. And the president of the NBC Universal Stations Group was in the conference room. And I walk in and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Jay Ireland here from New York. Why is he in Miami? (laughs) And he said, I'm not asking you to take the job in Birmingham. I'm telling you. Ooh. And I said, okay, when do I start? (laughs) (laughs) True story. True story. (laughs) And and that, that lesson in that, Jason, was to sometimes you are comfortable. And I was comfortable. I I was an hour and a half away from my family. They were in Palm Beach County. I was in Miami. It's Florida. The weather was great. It was where I grew up. So I was so comfortable. I did not want to leave that comfort and take on that challenge of going to a new city, understanding a new market, trying to build new relationships. And they really literally had to push me. And, And so what was that like diving headfirst into a role that was really uncomfortable for you. It reminded me of how I first entered the industry in the newsroom. It took me back to that place of uncertainty. It really took me back. When I first entered the newsroom in this in this industry, I was always calibrating how I entered the room. I'm so amazed when I meet people now in this coming through the newsrooms now they are bold. They are dynamic. They know exactly what they want. They talk about bringing their quote unquote, fully authentic selves to work. Yeah. When I, that wasn't around fully authentic self was not around. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't exist back then. Right. That, That did not exist. And you came in to fit in. Right. And it was I could not be the loud black woman. I could not be the angry black woman. I could not. I had stereotypes staring me in the face at every turn. So I didn't know how to, I didn't know who I was. I was always calibrating how I entered the room based on who I was engaging with. It was a, I was a wreck for the first four years, just trying to be apologetic for just existing to be, to apologize for uncertainty So going back to that moment and being the leader in Birmingham, it took me back to that uncertainty of, okay, I'm I'm not quite sure how I, who I am and how I manage this. I'm not quite sure. I know New York sees me as a leader, but do I see myself as a leader Mm. in this way? Yeah. And, and so how or when was it that you were really able to see yourself as the same leader that, you know, the, the big folks up at 30 Rock were seeing you? It, it came in a moment where I was challenged by um, someone in a very real way. And there was a 
a momentary flash of fear of, of, of incredible self doubt that it really shook me at my core in this, in this somewhat of a conference. I, I would say confrontation, but in the South, you know, the confrontation comes with a smile. (laughs) 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 So, So it wasn't the, uh, you know, Northeast confrontation, finger in the chest, yelling and screaming. It was, you know, bless your heart. You know, it was that kind mm, of, yeah. you know, Southern confrontation. And it shook me to my core. And in that instance, something just stood up in me that that said, wait a minute. I No one gave me this job. I earned it. So I've earned the right to be here. No one, I'm, I don't, I'm no longer apologizing. It just happened in that moment. And I, I am thankful that that person challenged me in that way, confronted me in that way, because it unlocked that, that confidence that I had sort of buried and suppressed. I'm so grateful. You know, I sometimes say people can badmouth you to a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, so literally, him bad mouthing me around the newsroom and then confronting me really unlocked that confidence that was slipping because I was in a new place, a new challenge, a new city. I was on my own. I didn't have the comfort of, of knowing, you know, who I can turn to. So that, that changed in me. And I, and it goes back to after four years being in this industry where I was a, I was in my car at the station that I was working at at the time, and I was just pulled in, and I was like, I had a knot in my stomach, and I was mm. like, oh, man, I know they don't think I belong here. Ooh. And and it was that four years of calibrating and and trying to be apologetic and self deferential and making jokes at my own expense, you know, just the whole all of those things I was doing. And I got a call from my mom and I was in the parking lot and, and she just kind of just said, she didn't know what I was going through at work, but she just kind of said, you know, remember, you know, I'm proud of you. Mm. Right. And she had no clue what I was going through in the, in the real sense of like specifics. Yeah. But, but there's an Alice Walker, uh, the, the writer, there's an Alice Walker quote that, that best captures my mom and how that inspiration helped me figure out how to bring my true authentic self to work. And that quote is that my mom knew what I needed to know without knowing a page of it herself. Wow. Mm. And that defined like, it's not the, she wasn't in the broadcast industry. You know, she, my mom was a maid, had a, less than an eighth grade education, worked all her life, but but she just had a way of saying things at a certain time without knowing specifically the people that I was facing or the issues that I was facing. And that and that helped me like four years into my career. I don't think I would have still would have had a 30 year career without those little inspirational moments from my mom reminding me that Hey, I'm sure your boss puts his pants on the same way you do. <laughs> it's those wise words, right? <laughs> right. You know, it is, you know, the, those those inspirational moments help me feeling that uncertainty, 
you know, from four years into the business and then feeling it again when I got my first big promotion to the leader of a newsroom and having that challenge helped me unlock and return to the, the place of confidence that I, that I was in before I took the job. How did you get to kind of these bigger roles at NBC Network in New York and ultimately MSNBC where you are today? It's not a linear path. First of all, it is, you know, two steps forward, uh, sideways, <laughs> you fall down, fall back, you know. Um, so it was not a linear path, but I think that um, being comfortable with my self and accepting who I am allowed me to be better professionally, if that makes sense. I had to come to terms with me yeah, in order to grow and blossom uh, in the way that I, that I could. Um, and I wasn't going to, yeah, I think professionally, yes, you have to be subjectively good at your job, right? People have to think you're good at your job and that you offer something. And that's very subjective. Uh, if you're good at your job or not, it probably depends on who you're in the room with, who your boss <laughs> is and, and, and how they, uh, how they rate you, quote unquote. So I think I, I always, in every opportunity, I went into every role, Jason, believing that I had to prove myself. Even when I walk into 30 Rock today, I walk in thinking today is the day I got to prove myself. Every day. Yeah. Every day. That, bec- that and, and that is how I approach it. You know, I feel like I'm earning my job every day. Now being with the uh, NBCU News Group across CNBC, MSNBC, and NBC News for diversity, equity, and inclusion, I see more clearly based on the path that I've walked, how that internal compass and confidence matters, especially as you encounter people who prejudge you, don't know you, and certainly don't give you the benefit of the doubt. And so I know you were talking about, you know, coming into your own to be able to bring your best authentic self to work and and how that wasn't even a thing way back when you started in the business, but it's LGBTQ plus Pride Month. So so tell me how being openly LGBTQ plus has helped you in your career or, or being out has helped you. Many people probably could relate to this in that I was more comfortable coming out at work than I was coming out at home. In fact, I came out at work before I came out at home. And it it was just a matter of the, the environment that I found myself in at work, where it wasn't about your sexual orientation had zero impact or was not a determinant on if you could do your job or not. Mm. And that respect giving me that respect based on how I performed without judging based on my sexual orientation gave me the confidence to eventually say to my family and to my friends, this is who I am. And so the confidence of being all of that at work, all the intersectionality, that wasn't a thing back when either like intersectionality, I don't even know if it was a word until about a few years ago. (laughs) 
<laughs> was that added to like the dictionary? I know it was. I know it's a word, honestly, but you know, so it 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 allowed me that those interactions at work, those not being judged, allowed me to go face the potential judgment of my family if, in fact, it were to come. I needed that safe space in order to enter what could be a potential hostile space. Mm. If that if that makes sense. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your brand. How would you describe your brand as an executive? Firm, fair, and flexible. I'm I'm firm in my values. They don't change for anything. I'm as fair as possible in my treatment of people. And I have a flexibility of style to know that I have to meet people where they are, that not everybody is going to hear the message in the way I deliver it. Some people need a literal breakdown of what they should do. Some people need flowers, chocolates. Some people need <laughs> some people need a kick in the butt, a literal kick in the butt. I don't want HR to think I'm kicking people in the butt, but some people need different different things. <laughs> so I think my style is to be flexible enough and to know that it doesn't it doesn't diminish me if I know that before coffee this person is not going to be focused enough. So I need to understand that and come back to them after they've been caffeinated. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think those, that flexibility of approach, again, it's not meaning I change who I am and my values. It doesn't, that's firm. Yeah. But I think if you take a little bit of meeting people where you, where they are, first of all, they appreciate it. Um, and it saves a lot of time. Yeah, it, it, it really does. When you know that a person performs better and comprehends better after 11 a.m., don't give them everything you need to give them before 11 a.m. Yeah, because if you if you if you so to me, that's my style. That's my brand. The other thing is I'm a very passionate person. I show my passion and. I'm very truthful. I'm going to be honest. I am going to be honest no matter what. Yeah. Now, firm, fair, flexible, passionate, and truthful. How has that evolved over time? How how has that changed as you've matured in your career and really moved into bigger roles? Oh my goodness. I think, I think, yeah, the 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 early brand. <laughs> the early brand woo i don't even know jason i don't even know if they've invented words to describe what that early brand was (laughs) you know the probably most appropriate phrase would i'd have to borrow from my mom hot mess (laughs) i am trying to to imagine you in that as a hot mess (laughs) a hot mess my brand has been honed and evolved over the years because I think there are two core things that speak to my brand. I, I try to bucket it in the, the tried and the true version yeah, and the, the evolving and growing version. Mm. So there's one bucket that's tried and true, meaning you know the core of who I am. And I bring that to every encounter, my passion, my truthfulness, every conversation. I am firm in my values, fair in my treatment of people and flexible enough to meet people where they are. And part of my tried and true nature is to show my passion, to be present in the moment and to always walk into the room prepared. 
So that's tried and true. That's my brand. And I think the other part of my brand is evolving and growing. You know, it's it's my nature to be curious. And that curiosity feeds me on a steady, keeps me on a steady diet of knowledge and learning and growing. I am constantly seeking out ways to grow and evolve both personally and professionally. So I am true enough to recognize areas of my of growth and development that I need. And I try to be an active participant in finding ways to be better at life, not just at my job, but better at life. Yeah. Um, and I think that's my really true sides of the brand. That is that you have to be tried and true. But I think we always have to also recognize that we can evolve and grow. So I think that curiosity is a, is a big part of evolving and growing. Yeah. So, so thinking of evolving and growing, what was a time in your career where you really had a moment where you either received feedback or, or you realized that sort of some of those elements of that hot mess brand weren't working and you consciously changed something to be more on track with, with the brands you have now? I didn't always want to be, I didn't grow up wanting to be a manager, quote unquote, or a leader. Mm. I, I grew up, once I arrived in the newsroom, I just wanted to be the producer. I just wanted yeah. to write. And I love that. And I kept my head down and I, I did all those things. And I never wanted to seek out promotions. I felt like that was kissing up. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to go tell someone I'm doing a great job. They should, they should see me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing a great <laughs> job. They should see me. Right. You know, the Lord will pluck me out of this chair and put me in a promotion. Right. You know, it's just like, it's going to happen that way. Right. Or, yeah. and I think as, 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 as a woman, I think we often as women sometimes think our hard work speaks for us, but I always have learned that your hard work does speak for you, not literally nearly loud enough. So I had to turn that journalism storytelling curiosity into being able to frame my own story. Mm. It's like, I have a story to tell too, right? Yeah. Like I got to frame that. Uh, and the, the moment that really kind of crystallized all of that was this performance and they're not working on my image or my exposure. Mm. That there are three components that I really believe in. And people have said this before about performance, image, and, perf- and, and exposure. Yeah. Performance is only 10% of the pie. Because people hire you, they expect you to do a great job. You don't get extra credit for doing your job well. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ticket to play, right? Right. Yeah, you don't get you don't get extra credit. Um, and so the image was, okay, what is my image? If I if you know you're going to talk to me, what is the image that you think of? Hot mess, or do you think of? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not hot mess, but you know what is the image that you present? to people when they think that you're coming to see them, you're going to talk or whatever, that image is built by your interactions with people, right? And and all of those interactions matter, whether you come into, you're set to go meet someone uh, or an executive or whoever, and you're rude to his or her assistant, right? Like that, that you don't think that assistant is going to relate to the boss that, hey, yeah, so-and-so just left and they were really rude. Right. Like they're going to they're going to relay that. So every interaction builds your image. And then the exposure was I thought it was kissing up, Mm. you know, making sure the boss knows that I'm doing X when they should know that. Right. But that exposure, you got to manage that exposure. You got to be able to tell your story to not only the people in the corner office, but to the presidential whisperers (laughs) and 
and the and the influencers around your office. You know who those influencers are, right? The people yeah. who have the ear of the boss. It's not always the boss alone making those kinds of decisions. So I had to work on I had my performance on lock. I had to clean up my my image. Um, and then I had to manage my exposure to the right people who were making decisions. And the I never saw myself, quote unquote, as corporate. So I don't want people to think the image was become something I'm not. No, the, the image was uh, and the exposure was sort of knowing and really understanding no matter what motto a company puts on the wall around who they are, what their culture is. The motto could be the best motto ever written that that, you know, Wall Street will buy. But the, the the true way to tell of a company's meaningful success is who is being hired, who is being fired, and who's being promoted. That says it all. Yeah. And I had to look around and say, wait a minute, why is that person being promoted above me? What do they have that I don't? What are they showing that I'm not? Why did that person hire me? I got to remind them why they hired me and I got to perform to that and exceed it. Right. So I had to pull my brand into those things. Right. Those specific things. And Yvette, I love that you talked about the presidential whisperers because people come to me all of the time and and that's an area that people seem to to miss. It's like only about going to the executive. What advice do you have? in terms of identifying who those influential people are that you really need to manage in your network. And, and the, you want the influencers, not the gossipers, right? And they're, they're two separate (laughs) (laughs) distinction, right? (laughs) There are two, there are two separate, two separate groups. Stay away from the gossipers. The influencers are people who who has received a stretch assignment in your office that it, it's not their specific job, but they've been given this big project, right? Because they are influencers, but A, because they're probably going to deliver and they're influencers because now they have the president's eye or the manager's eye because they've been given, they've been given a big project. Um, in a meeting when everyone's throwing out ideas, which ideas are actually endorsed? Mm. And who, where did they come from? Right. Um, yeah. Which was the, who was the person that presented the idea that was actually selected? So that's how you look at the influencers and 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 figure out who the influencers are around the office, and don't discount the male or female executive assistants who are influencers around the office. Right. I have always purchased and given all the administrative assistance gifts at holidays. I've always done that. But if it doesn't come from generally who you are, then don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's my nature to be giving in that way. And it's my nature to acknowledge people who sometimes when we think that we are all that, we ignore the people who actually power the organization and who move the building along. I, I know, I look the people in the face who are cleaning the elevators, welcome us, welcoming us into 30 Rock because my mom was a maid. So I always remember that there are a lot of people doing a lot of jobs who are not in the corner office. There are, there are not that, there are more 
<laughs> there are more mid to low level jobs than there are corner office jobs, believe me. And, and you cannot discount, ignore, or make people feel invisible as you walk through the room. And I think that's, that's part of my brand is to understand that it takes a lot to power an organization and the power rarely solely rests at the top. Now, if that you have received so many industry honors, right? I, I mean, you have this amazing list of, of honors from Emmys to Edward R. Murrow Awards. What is one of the stories that you've covered or that you've led the coverage on that really stuck with you and that you're proud of? The ACA coverage ruling, the same-sex marriage ruling, I think both of those stories are really, really, they stand out. Both big coverage events involve Pete Williams. Uh, that's not, that's <laughs> the great Pete Williams, yeah, right? That, yeah, that's not an accident. Uh, he's fantastic. So it's, and, and again, it's Pete and a team of people. Yeah. I mean, and I can't believe it's been, it's almost five years, right? In two years, in two weeks, it'll be five years since that happened. I remember actually being in New York, going to be heading into 30 Rock, sitting in my hotel room, watching that and just like being glued to that MSNBC coverage. Amazing. Yeah. So just a couple of final questions for you, Yvette. What is your favorite brand? What what brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? I love Toomey. Ooh, I do too. I have a fabulous Toomey computer backpack that I can't live without. Oh, I don't have a computer backpack, but I love Toomey. That really is something that I truly, truly love. Nespresso, I love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you're one of those folks that needs to be caffeinated. You know what? Actually, it's decaf. Ah, I'm a decaf person too. Can you believe that? I drink like a pot of decaf coffee a day. Yes, Jason, I can believe that you're a decaf person because there's something about you that is naturally, naturally caffeinated. You are like (laughs) a, you are like a cafe con leche, uh, (laughs) colada, you know, all packed into one naturally. So you definitely need decaf. <laughs> Said like a true Miami gal. <laughs> uh, now, if that if you were a car, what type of car would you be? Oh my goodness, my goodness! I've always had such a love for. I don't know why. I just have such a love for the Jeep. I want the. The Jeep, as if you were going to go off roading, but I really am not. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get an idea that I'm going off road anywhere. I just want to look like I, I'm going off road. <laughs> I, I want I want a Jeep. I want to be a Jeep. Yeah, and and why do you see yourself like that Jeep? I don't know. I just feel like there is something that that says rugged and vibrant and and outdoorsy, which. Or all things I'm not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's your aspirational brand. That is my aspirational brand. I would be in a Jeep right now, like just driving down the Pacific Coast Highway. And, you know, just wind in my hair. I mean, that's it. 
Yeah. Well, I, so guess what? I'm uh, obsessed with Jeep. I've only driven Jeep Wranglers for 25 years. So next time you come to LA, we're taking the top off and we're driving up PCH in that Wrangler. I'm fulfilling your Jeep dream. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm obsessed. In fact, you know, for years when I was up at the Universal lot, I drove a, a neon green Jeep Wrangler and I had personalized license plates and people would literally be like, there's Jason driving to oh. Universal. Oh my goodness. So listen, I really want, I want pictures of your Jeep. I don't want pictures of your kids. I just want pictures <laughs> of your kids. <laughs> you will get them. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Yeah. No, I'm like, I'm obsessed with Jeep Wrangler and I'm kind of like you. It's like, I've never driven off road in 25 years, but I look like it. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Yvette, just to close us out, what is the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? Relationships. Mm. Look, look people in the eye, step away from your computer, move away from your desk, go have a face-to-face relationship and figure out what communication is worth the, worthy of a text or an email or a phone call or an old-fashioned face-to-face. Yes, technology is great, but do the work of building relationships with people. That connectivity matters. Relationships, get to know people by their first name, get to know their kids or their Jeeps. build relationships well Yvette Miley thank you so much for connecting and building a relationship with me it's been so awesome talking to you happy LGBTQ plus pride month thank you so much yay thank you Jason yay and we'll be back in just a moment with my final thoughts are you tired of not being recognized for your work Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Well, wow, what an amazing conversation with Yvette Miley from NBC Universal News Group. You know, I was so touched by Yvette's stories of, of first working in the newsroom and really feeling that she had to adapt and code switch to, to meet everybody else's needs. And it really made me think about the power of leading with your brand. Because for anyone who is from a marginalized community, which is so many of you out there, whether you are BIPOC or female or a member of the LGBTQ plus community or a person who lives with a disability, we all know that there is bias out there, right? When we walk into a room, those elements that people see about us, those intrinsic elements sometimes can brand us. But what you need to do is make sure that you're leading with your brand because you've got to bust through that bias. You need to make sure that people aren't just treating you as that gay guy in the office or or that black lady that works in that department. You've got to lead with your brand and replace that bias so that people see 
your value. You want to come through with all of your supersized attributes in a way that people see it through your actions and behaviors so that people are talking about the value that you bring and not the demographic or intrinsic attributes that they may see when you walk in the room. Well, I think that is a great lesson for LGBTQ plus Pride Month, and that's what we've got for you on our show. Now, if you love the show, make sure that you are subscribing and following on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow me on social media platforms. I'm at Jason Patria on all of them, and check me out on LinkedIn where I share tons of tips and tools on how you can lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And it's LGBTQ plus Pride Month, so make sure that you visit leadwithyourbrand.com backslash pride to get our full collection of Pride on Brand voices, including our special episodes, including the intersection of race and LGBTQ plus at work that is now available, as well as this Thursday's special episode on transgender in the workplace. Again, brought to you in partnership with Out and Equal Workplace Advocates. Now, remember, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.